Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. Today's guest is obviously a skateboarder, but also and most importantly a skate filmer and filmmaker. Jonathan Lomar grew up close to Malmö where he started skating and filming his friends. He eventually became the main filmer and videographer of Sweet Skateboards, ancestor of Sour Skateboards, and in recent times he became a documentary filmmaker. His latest work, the Oski documentary, just came out a few weeks ago and follows Swedish skateboarding phenomenon Oscar Rosenberg and his journey to the Tokyo 2021 Olympic Games. So here's my conversation with Jonathan Lomar. I hope you'll enjoy it. Thanks again, Jonathan. Appreciate you uh, taking some time to chat with me. Oh, thank you. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of interesting things. So, uh, yeah, I'm stoked. Thank you so much. That's funny. I thought about it like Oski, like when we had the Q&A, he said, ah, but like when someone asks you, they always say like, ah, but there's nothing interesting to talk about, about my life. And I always <laughs> hear that when I, I approach someone like, ah, do you maybe want to be filmed for a documentary and they always say the same thing and now I felt the same like when you <laughs> yeah. wrote to me I'm like oh yeah you know maybe I should do like some milestones like what happened in my life you know but <laughs> just, like, I guess I just have to like yeah it's gonna be fun to see what you're gonna answer question me about and stuff excited yeah <laughs> cool yeah, yeah, yeah. no it's, it must be interesting yeah because you're you're uh, definitely behind the camera and uh, asking the questions uh, that's more your thing so uh, yeah for once it's going to be the opposite so that's cool yeah usually that and i sit like this mm, ah, uh-huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> during the whole fucking interview so i have to learn how to like not do that sound anymore i realize yeah that. <laughs> yeah well uh, that's pretty much what i do so <laughs> that's what i'm gonna be doing the whole time we're gonna talk so <laughs> gonna have to make like a filter in your program that just takes away uh-huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so yeah so usually i start i start my interviews with just the guest uh introducing himself um and uh you know telling me where where he comes from and and where he grew up and where he started skating so i think you're you live in malmo right now but uh yeah is that is that where you grew up i wasn't too sure no um so i'm jonathan lumar i'm 29 years old and i but i grew up in uh Varberg, it's called it's like okay. uh I was gonna say it's not famous for anything, but <laughs> <Not yet. laughs> I don't know. Like it's like uh it's like uh one of those towns in Sweden that just you know exists. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, what's the like the nearest uh, big city that a French person would know of? Maybe yeah, Gothenburg. It's like okay. one hour, no, forty minutes from Gothenburg, so it's not that far. So yeah, okay, people gotcha. go from my town to Gothenburg when they graduated more or less <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's where you grew up and did you start skating over there yeah um kind of like a late bloomer but i ended up in a class and um, there was some guys skating and i think at the time 
I just remember that I think YouTube was like completely new. It must have been like, I can't remember when YouTube started, but I just remember hanging out in school and we were just like watching all the fucking YouTube videos of like best skateboarding tricks, part one, part two, like skate Mm -hmm. versus, no, like, what was it? Like rap versus punk. And, you know, you would see, like, Stevie Williams versus Ali Bulala in, like, a compilation. Uh, a lot of that. And, uh, yeah, we were, like, a crew, like, three or four guys skating. Mm-hmm. I was, like, the worst one, but I was kind of good <laughs> behind the camera. I was, like, I was like okay, pretty already. early on interested because I had a French teacher. I think he, like, low-key hated his job, <laughs> but he was a surf photographer. Oh, okay. Interesting. And uh, he would give me lessons, like, after class, like, showing his uh, camera and, like, ah, this is, like, how you do this effect. This is how you use, like, slow shutter for water, you know, like, the classic (laughs) effects. So, yeah, I was mostly behind the camera, even when I was, like, 14 years old, Okay, I guess. So you you were filming your friends skating already as you were starting to skate yourself? Yeah, yeah, simultaneously, just finding, you know, my little, like, place in the group, I guess. I was always, like, super scared of skating, like, still, to this day, like, <laughs> I, I can think of a trick and I can, you know, imagining myself doing it and feeling, like, physically it's possible, but it's just, like, f- yeah. so many thoughts in my head, like, the second before I pop, so, I don't know, I think I have... As well, like the worst slam technology. Like, I never seen someone has so bad slam technology as myself. Like, when <laughs> okay. I go down, it's like ridiculous how painful it turns out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's hard to, to slam with, uh, with style, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you just have it or not. I definitely don't, so, <laughs> so I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So you were skating and filming, and um, did you aspire to like uh, get sponsors and eventually turn pro? Was that something kind of just uh, that you feel was out of your realm and you just uh, focused on filming and, and kept skating as just a, a hobby, basically? Oh, yeah. Like skateboarding wise, I was pretty early on. I, I remember seeing the DC video and the J-Rite video and like Baker 3 must have been the same like era. Where yeah, it was early like, 2000s. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was just like, fucking hell, like Greg Hunt, you know, who edited this Josh Kalis part with the music, like tripping. Yeah, on, Gangstar. Like, yeah, and then I saw like, yeah, you know, like, oh, fucking sick. Like Beagle has his own part in the video, but it's oh, still, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like the best skateboarding, but it is the best skateboarding yeah, somehow but because it's, still it's like fun funny. And, yeah. So I, that plus like Spike Jones was like, you know, I was just like really into the small sketches. I remember seeing the invisible skateboard thing. And yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, wow, that's so like, that's like, I have to figure out, you know, how did they even move the camera and still remain? How can they have the background? Like my head just like exploding as a teenager. So yeah, right. Was one of your very first videos then? One. uh, Yeah. Or at least one of the most Im- impactful. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, during that time, I think LimeWire was, like, where you got your oh, yeah. videos, and you just, like, I had, like, Element Rise Up. Oh, yeah, the, the Element Europe. Element Europe, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. 
and uh, yeah and then year right i think as well like the all of the people who saw year right during that time from limewire they have like the really yellowish version of the video oh okay because you can see it on i've seen the original dvd and it's like not even close to what i had so that's like <laughs> okay i don't know if you've seen like the first sour video there's like this skate intro with like skate video net blah 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 i was just like oh. i don't remember but yeah i saw it a long time ago but yeah yeah yeah. they used to have that intro on everything you could find on limewire and i was just thinking that was kind of funny yeah, yeah it was like a reference okay i see yeah uh, so yeah, yeah, right. Was definitely and still today, I think it's one of one of the best v- films. For sure, yeah, it was a really good one. And so, at what point did uh, filming become more a more serious activity, so to speak, or at least uh, when did you start maybe getting a bit of money or, or getting uh, footage in video magazines or in video projects for brands and stuff like that? When did that kind of become a, a job, so to speak? Yeah, I'm thinking right now, like, ah, I remember getting a pair of shoes from, like, (laughs) a website because I did a Go Skateboarding Day clip once. But (laughs) I think when I was, no, like, 16, me and Nisse Ingmarsson. Yeah, from from Sour. Yeah, yeah, we started, or, like, he started skating and I started filming for the same distribution Mm -hmm. when I was, yeah, 16. And uh, that summer was... I just remember like every week and then the whole summer just going with that team and filming with Mm -hmm. them. I think I got like 300 euros a month from, you know, working almost like full time for them. But it it was (laughs) like, yeah, but still, I don't know, got to travel and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like, yeah, and it was like, you know, a hard, quick training when it came to like working with the camera and you know you had like a lot of i don't know i think i did like 40 clips in one year or something was just insane like every week or something so i learned a lot you had to produce a lot of content fast yeah yeah or yeah i don't know it was like during i don't know that that distribution did some weird stuff but like they had Every weekend they needed like a indoor skate clips, so they had like this YouTube channel, and uh, I did like clip their clip for them, and that was kind of like what I ended up doing from sixteen till eighteen, nineteen. Okay, so I saw that you studied, I think, graphic and web design, and eventually you did, uh, but more recently, like um, a three-year degree in filmmaking, I think, in Norway. Yeah. So did you study filmmaking already when you were younger or did, was that a, a more recent uh, path that you decided to uh, follow? The funny thing is when I was 12 to 15, you go like, you know, I went to a Montessori school. Oh, really? got, okay. Yeah. And they kind of, yeah, that school kind of let you do a lot of different stuff. Like you could like, oh, you got to, we ended up doing a lot of videos and sketches because i don't know i was a big like monty python fan whatever so (laughs) when it was like oh english class and then we did like one sketch in english and then we had like french lessons and we did the same i don't know i think it was always like a bank robbery going down or something and we just switched like the content and we produced like i don't know we did like 10 videos or something during that time and then moved on to um 
the gymnasium where I studied media, which was like one year I did websites and one or two years of film. And that was okay. super cool. I remember going like away for two months on a burn energy tour in Cana- Gran Canaria. Oh, Do you- yeah, burn yeah. the en- energy drink. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And being away a lot from school but they were super cool with it because they were like ah he's working for like big companies (laughs) you know you go have fun (laughs) yeah exactly it's like oh it's shit payment who cares (laughs) um so i did that and then went to barcelona when i was 19 and started working for sweet at the time and at the end of like yeah i went studying graphic design for one year and then i did calligraphy for one year like just painting letters and listening to music (laughs) okay and then when i was 25 i think uh semi quarter life crisis whatever and ending up like sending an application for a new program in norway called uh, creative documentary filmmaking so that's where i ended up like in lillehammer lillehammer for uh, three years Okay, so it was, yeah, three year, like, uh, is that a bachelor, I guess? Yeah, bachelor, yeah. Yeah, but you had already a lot of experience uh, filming and editing, and uh, I, I don't know if you had produced documentaries prior to going to that school, but uh, you had you had been working as a, a videographer for quite some time already. Yeah, it was it was interesting, because when I went there, I remember just watching on the plane, I'm watching like Ingmar Bergman movies, like the black and white old things, and just like, fuck, I gotta like, you know, get the film history done by the time I get there, because they probably are oh, like yeah. super, like, you have like the script writers, they could like, you know, throw around jokes about like this or that quote, and I was just like completely lost. Yeah, clueless kind. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we had like because people from in that school was really good. Like they had like studied a long time before ending up at this school. So I was kind of like a wild card uh-huh. because I haven't do- hadn't done anything other than skateboarding. But I guess they thought it was like interesting to take in someone else. And yeah, yeah, for sure. When they had the first exercise, you were supposed to observe someone for three days. And I think I just hit the jackpot because I found a guy that was making glasses, like uh, wine glasses, Mm -hmm. which is like quite complicated. At least if you're like, he was quite young and he had Tourette's as well. So he was like this. (laughs) Really? I don't know. I, I just like my friend like said like, oh, you should go and meet this guy. Like he's quite unique you know he's like this Tourette's guy with hip-hop outfit making wine glasses observed (laughs) that guy for three days and came back and you know just got into my you know all I'm gonna do like you know as 16 years old just like oh I'm just gonna put it together and see what they say and the reaction from that was just like people just like wow you know the structure the you know you thought about this and that and you know they're just like oh this is like the Ruben Östlund, blah, 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 you know, like, I don't know, I I was surprised and it felt really nice to know that, okay, if you do skateboarding, if you're a skateboarder who films a lot, you, you know, you know a lot of things, you just haven't put the names on them, but I got like a bit of recognition for that in that school and that was really nice. 
And you actually, I, I saw that you also got, um, you were elected like Swedish Skate Filmer of the Year, I think in 2011 and 2013, so pretty early on as well in your career. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I must have been 11 years ago. Yeah, so when I was I, 18, yeah. Just getting started, basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the second time was for, uh, I, I think, your first Sour project. Yeah, I think, yeah, the first one was for uh, New Soul, which was, uh, you know, where Albert Nyberg really blew up with that from set 360, no comply down Makba and stuff. Right, 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 yeah. And uh, Sicken must have, yeah, it must have been the Sour Solution. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say like, oh, was it the Sweet Mafia thing we did? But no, I think it was a Sour video. Mm -hmm. No, because the Sour video was 2015. Yeah, it probably was like the Sweet Mafia or something. I can't remember, really. Okay. And so before Sour became Sour, it was actually Sweet Skateboards uh, back in the day. So how did you start working with these guys? Like, um, were they friends from, from your hometown? Or how did that connection happen? And how did you end up... Uh, was it for, for that company that you decided to move to Barcelona? Or was it uh, for different reasons? Or Yeah, 100%. I mean, I always wanted to go to Barcelona, but it was just like Nils Nisse Ingmarsson. He was already skating for Sweet, and okay. I was kind of getting tired of doing these indoor skateboard clips, whatever. And uh, I think it was like this Kingpin the Drive they had back in the days, which was like King of the Road, but like Europe style. Right, yeah. And yeah, yeah. the videographer at the time, Isaac Lindberg, I think he was just like, oh, I'm not gonna go on that tour because I'm fucking, like, not super keen on getting fucked. Not feeling it, yeah. And I was super down to get fucked, you know. I was 18, 19 <laughs> and just graduated or, yeah, you know, hungry. I was just hungry. So, um, yeah, I ended up going on that tour and I think... You know, that was hilarious because you had to... I think the first clip I filmed for Sweet was filming Jonas Gröder taking a huge shit outside the Danish bank. Okay. <laughs> because that was like a mission, like take a shit outside a big bank, whatever. And that was like the first <laughs> clip I filmed for Sweet, just like him sitting there. And on the other side of the street, it's a bar where they have, you know, for the smoking people you know you have the terrace oh, yeah. facing towards him so you have 20 <laughs> people smoking a cigarette Staring at like him. is that really you know like people just like yeah just like is this oh it's happening you know wow and uh, he's like <laughs> you know squatting there and just like you know super stoked on the size of his shit and then he runs <laughs> into the van again and uh, so that was it and then the last stop we went like from denmark sweden Germany, Poland, mm -hmm. the whole Balticum, and then ending up in Finland. And then we took the Finland ferry back to Sweden. Okay. And I remember sitting there with Björn, and he's like, bought me a big steak. And he's like, okay, Jonathan, so how much do I need to pay you? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I re remember like, oh, I don't know, 1,000 euros maybe? It's like, oh, I can double that <laughs> like with the junkyard <laughs> money at the time. And he's like, what do you think about like moving to Barcelona? And I was like, oh, I'm super down. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, some months later, I moved down to Barca with uh, me, Gustav Nisse and Philip Almqvist. Oh, nice. 
yeah, so we ended up going there and just, yeah, that was a really nice move. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. What year was that? Do you remember? Was it 2010, 2012? I'm not too sure. Yeah, it must have been... 10 years ago, maybe? Or? Yeah, 11 years ago or something. Yeah, 10 years ago and we started filming that. That was when we started filming the Sweet Mafia video or they had yeah. filmed already but they needed like me to film in barcelona i think okay and so did you become the main filmer and videographer for for sweet skateboards or was there someone else um kind of heading up the video department if i can call it that yeah it was uh isaac Lindberg. he did like the sweets video one of the first ones uh which is a really good film he also did the is it called sweet yeah sweet and sour mm -hmm. yeah, which was yeah. like a hd video before fucking hd became a thing and uh, mm -hmm. he's learned me a lot of stuff that i'm thankful for anyway he started doing a lot of other stuff at the time i think mm -hmm. he was started working like doing like proper like music videos and you know more high-end quality and i was kind of like the guy filming the skateboard tricks new guy. and yeah, yeah new new guy working hard on yeah <laughs> just burning the back with that hbx fisheye you know like ah oh, you know <laughs> <laughs> i was working on that and i think he kind of like wanted to do other stuff and then i was the guy who took like a little bit over that part and became like the filmer and then i got to edit my own stuff as well okay must have been fun uh, living in barcelona and, and filming especially these guys who became so such incredible skate i mean they, they were already really good at that time but uh and they just kept progressing and becoming more and more uh, incredible so yeah it must have been a pretty cool time Yeah, we had a we had a crib like Spengan, Daniel Spengs, Gustav, me, Nisse, and yeah, Philip living in one apartment, and it was like a big apartment where it was just like you know the skateboard dream you had as a kid. Yeah. Uh, so for sure, I got to do that. Stoked on it. <laughs> And so when did the the Sour Solution One come into the picture? When when did the that become like a, an official project? Because you said it, it was released in 2015. So how how long were you working on that? Like maybe a couple of years or something or Yeah. I think you know, there was a lot of pressure on the guys for filming the Sweet Mafia film because it was gonna be like this you know, you have to live up to the American standards and, you know, the like technical low impact skating wasn't probably what they were looking As for. Pop popular, yeah. Yeah, and you know, like if you look at the guys, it's not like the hammer crew, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. It's not a zero zero teamer, yeah. <laughs> not even close so <laughs> yeah so i think we had like uh some like saturdays and sundays i had a vx so we were just like okay let's film a fun clip at you know let's film for fun so we started filming like vx clips even when we were filming for the sweet mafia video just to have some funny skating going on and skating like shitty spots because you know you can get away with it with a VX. Mm -hmm. So I think we started filming the first clips around 2013 or something. I remember it being like, a, it was supposed to be like a sweet video. Like it was supposed to be like my first video. And then 
we filmed for yeah and we went to like all these places on the budget of uh, sweet skateboards and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they switched owner and they were just looking over the budget uh have you seen office space the video or the movie I don't think so, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have like these guys who comes in and just gonna do everything more effectively. But they just looked over the budget and like, oh, what the hell? Like, what is all these? Like, what's all these guys doing in Barcelona? And you know, it's really hard <laughs> to articulate. Like, ah, oh, but they're kind of like sponsor. Like, there's shitloads of money going down to Barcelona, and it doesn't give any like back. You know, so oh, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, they wanted wanted to like cherry pick. I think like one rider <laughs> and kick the rest. And I remember <laughs> Bjorn like when he got that news, he was just like, "Um, that's never gonna happen." You know, <laughs> you have no idea what you're doing right now when exactly, it comes to yeah. like a business guy who knows zero percent about skateboarding. And oh yeah, obviously yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that ended up like in a, the last sweet tour where Bjorn burned all the money he could on that credit card and we stood <laughs> on a had a pit stop and he's like you know air me now air me now like uh, sweet is no longer <laughs> there's not gonna be any more sweet skateboards because they want, wanted to kick everyone so I'm figuring okay. out we're gonna do like our own shit from this point and that's what he did and uh, they like the business guy they had no idea that we've been filming for the sour video or the sour solution one for like two years so we just took all that footage and uh, the cameras as well i think Mm -hmm. and just like you know like have a good one ciao and (laughs) uh, rebranded all the footage into our own company so sweet became sour so i think in 2015 around there and that's when you released uh the sour solution one right after it had transitioned okay I think it was in like autumn 2014 where they were like, oh, they're going to kick us all. And then, I don't know, we got still got paid until like December. And then those six months were like when I was editing the video and filming mm-hmm. the last tricks. And I think I was studying Spanish at the same time just to, you know, you get money from Sweden just to study. So I was doing that at the same time. Okay. Uh, it was a hectic period, but like in the end, I ended up finishing it and we went on a tour for, yeah, I had a premiere in Barcelona and then Berlin and then Copenhagen Open. And, okay. you know, when you look back and think about like nice moments in your life, I'm like, fucking hell, like that summer was so nice. Like, yeah. I'm I can't sure, yeah. really recall all the evenings, whatever, you know, a lot of drinking during that tour. But <laughs> yeah. when I just like think about grateful things about life, I see, yeah, the premiering. That's definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was so nice. So nice. And so you stayed and worked with, uh, so which be- what became Sour for another two years, I think, until 2017. And uh, you just kept working on projects with them. And uh, what made you decide to leave in, in 2017? Uh, it, was, it was kind of like after the Sour Solution, I kind of, you know, dropped out a little bit for one year, I think. I didn't okay. do anything like that was when I started studying like graphic design. I was living at the first sour office they had in Barcelona. I was like uh, having like my sleeping place there and did some graphics for them. But I didn't do anything like I sold the camera to Gustav. And that's that's like when he started filming. Okay. I think at that time I was 
I want to try something different. You know, I, I've felt like, you know, oh, what should I do now? Should I do like the same thing three more years? I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I have to like research life a little bit here. Yeah, <laughs> so I did yeah, that. Yeah. And then I ended up going on, uh, uh, what's it called? Sour Burn the Borders trip. That was like the first time I filmed. It was one year later where we went on a tour with the Skate Mafia guys. Oh, okay. Up the Basque Country and all the way to Bordeaux. Cool. And that was really funny. That was like a nice, like, Bjorn was super nice to me. He's like, oh, you should just, like, enjoy the tour and don't, like, put too much pressure on yourself. And I did not put that much pressure on myself and just really, you know, enjoy the tour instead of being, like, you know. Stressed oh, I out. Make and... it. Yeah, I have to, like, one-up myself, you know. Yeah, 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 I see, I see. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, the um, Sweet and Then Sour team is pretty mind-blowing. There's some really amazing skaters in there. I was just curious to know if, um, uh, well, first of all, who maybe in the team are among, like, your favorite people to film with? And also if there's maybe a trick that comes to mind as, like, the most mind-blowing trick that you were brought to film for uh, any of the projects you worked on with them. I think, uh, uh, like, the one guy I've been the closest to is Nis Ingmarsson. Maybe because we started filming when we were, like, 16 and I... Uh, yeah, you had, go way like, back, yeah. Yeah, and somehow we are pretty, like, similar in very different ways. But, mm -hmm. I don't know, I always liked him as a friend and, you know, a skateboarder as well. And there's always, like some people that you film with and you can just see you know historical moments happening like in front of you mm -hmm. you see someone trying or you know someone doing one trick that looks like in a way that you just like wow this is yeah, epic. <laughs> like <laughs> you know this is like the thing they're gonna end up on the slap forum down you know where you have like the little gifs you know where oh, it's yeah, gonna yeah. be like one of those things you know I'm seeing it in front of me right now, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some people like uh, Erik J. Pettersson. Yeah. He's one of them guy, uh, like one of those guys. And mm -hmm. I always enjoyed the skating of Daniel Spinks. Mm -hmm. You know, he has a very unique style. Yeah. And uh, interesting trick bag, you know, and uh, I think if there's one trick that I really like, it's Erik J. Pettersson doing a line in the Sweet Mafia film where he does like frontside nose, switch heel out, I guess, or like heel flip out. Nolly heel, yeah, okay. Yeah, nolly heel out and then switch back 180 and then he does like a little nose bonk and then he goes like 50 pop up onto a ledge. And then Fronsa flips switch crooks. Oh, anyway, okay. It's wow. a really like gnarly line, but I remember mm -hmm. going back there for like three days. And, you know, one Trying of those moments. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I had that HD camera, which is like quite heavy, you know, oh, the yeah. one that yeah. had the tape machine in it as well. Like not the newer ones, but like the one that was pretty heavy. And I was like, my back was just like killing me. <laughs> and, I'm sure. Uh, when he landed that trick, I was just like, "Wow!" You know. Yeah. And uh, I got Relief. the filming right, and it was like the the sun was perfect, and I was just like, "This is a nice moment." But lately, 
the one thing that happened before going like I was in Barcelona not too long ago and I was about to take the flight Okay. And Snape had been trying this trick for like three times and he was like, oh, maybe you can come along, you know, to Besos, like the big waves in Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the barrier at the end. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, it would be really nice. And I was like, oh, but I got like three hours before the flight. Mm-hmm. And he kept trying and it started like pouring a little bit of rain and you have all these helicopters, like the painful helicopters that are like... Eh. All of the helicopters like flying in into the like uh, run up, so Barney right. was like getting rid of them, and you know you could see like Snape really like you know not getting closer anymore, you know. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's thirty minutes. I gotta leave like really soon, but I didn't want to stress him. And then all of a sudden, I'm just filming close up on his face. He's like pumping in, and he lands the trick like perfect. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was a really nice moment. And then back down the camera and just like, okay, thank you, Snape. You're the best. And, you know, leaving (laughs) for the airport. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go. So it was, you know, a really nice, like, full circle ending, I guess. (laughs) Cool. That was a nice, yeah. Is that trick going to be in the next video that's coming out soon? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so you can't (laughs) tell me what trick it is. Oh, well, maybe, like, is this podcast going to be out when the film is out? Uh, I think this episode will probably come out early June. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, then yeah, then Sour Solution will be out the 15th of May, so... Okay, okay, so, yeah. yeah. So he does a nolly backside heel. Oh, nice, okay. Yeah, it's, like, really hard to skate nolly and nolly heel. Oh, yeah over that bump so he did it and he did it so good and just stomped it and then he went like through the trees as well oh yeah instead Mm -hmm. of hitting the trees just like in between and i was like wow like i was like nervous that he was gonna hit the tree and you know you land a trick but you don't roll away as you know yeah could have been gracefully yeah it was one of the best nolly backs at heels i ever seen so i'm really happy that i got to film that Sick, sick. Yeah, awesome. I look forward to that video. It's going to be super good. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. And so more recently, before we get into the Oski documentary, I was just curious to ask you, I I haven't seen this uh, documentary that you made uh, pretty recently. I'm going to butcher the name, but I think it's Made in Skene. I'm not sure how to pronounce Uh, that. Yeah, Made in in Skene. But Swedish people don't even get Skene right because it's like a hillbilly town (laughs) that nobody knows about. But yeah, Skene it's called. Okay, okay. So yeah, can you tell me a bit about that project? Because it seemed quite interesting, but I, I haven't watched it. it. It's about like a skater who goes to like a sort of jungle, so to speak, and, and uh, tries to reconnect with his roots, his like family history. So so it seemed like an interesting and different project from what you had been doing in, in the past. So yeah, can you just tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's uh, like a friend of a friend. He's called Juan Piezo. And uh, I was just so curious about that story because he, he was living in his father's like house, but also a jungle that his father like made because he was a gardener. So okay. he has one of the most versatile gardens in Sweden. And I went there once and I was just blown away how, how beautiful it was. 
And uh, I filmed a clip of him just walking down, like, uh, you know, taking me on a little walk in the garden. And he's just like, oh, so here's where my dad built the platform for UFOs to land, you know, like if aliens would come. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell are you saying? And he just kept talking, 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 like walking around. And then I put that thing together and put some music on it and pitched it like a pilot, you know, like, oh, maybe it could be something. And... Yeah, like the people was just like, oh, who is this guy? Like, he, yeah. you know, have, you know, some people that when they're in front of the camera, they are just super calm and they, you know, go through the screen a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see what you mean. Doesn't have to be like saying the no, like most interesting stuff, but they just like, you know, are really present in front of the camera. Yeah, and he and very ha- spontaneous and yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he had that quality where it felt really authentic. Mm-hmm. So I kept filming him for, I don't know, like three months. And uh, I wasn't sure it was going to be a video. But then he showed me like, oh, I found all the high eight tapes that my dad filmed. And I was just like, wow, you know, and I logged those like 10 hours of footage. And I just like realized how his father was like this, even like a character in the video as well. So uh, that film is a little bit of a son coming back to his like, he inherited his father's house because his father went away because of drinking. And uh, he's trying to, like, finish the dream that his dad had, basically. Mm -hmm. So he's, like, trying to, like, fix the house, fix the garden, turn the place, like, into the Atlantis that his dad wanted it to be. Okay, I see. So that's kind of, like, the journey he's doing. But it's a short film, and I actually continued filming him till this day. And I want to make like a long version of that story because I think it's a nice story and I always enjoy coming to U1 and visit him and, you know, help him out with his 1000 projects he has going on all the time. Cool. Was that a project that you did while you were studying at that school in in Norway, in uh, Lillehammer or...? Yeah, it was my uh, like exam, like my graduation. Oh, what do you say? Like exam? Yeah, yeah short movie whatever right 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 okay so yeah that was that was it So let's, let's talk about the Oski documentary. So that's coming out in uh, about three weeks from now. Yeah. And uh, I just watched it like a, a week or 10 days ago and really, really enjoyed it. And I think you just did a premiere uh, in Malmö as well. Uh, I think it was maybe at Brigerietz with John and Oski. So before we talk about that premiere, can you tell me about how that whole project started? Yeah, I think uh, like I started thinking about the idea when I was at the film school because that was when everybody was talking like oh the skateboarding is gonna be in the Olympics you know that's when they really like the discussion was pretty hot you know at the moment yeah yeah it's hard to think about it now now it's like oh yeah you know it's like people are kind of like over it's it it's already like, happened the, yeah yeah exactly at the time it was like you know Jeff Grosso was making these like films where it was like uh, you know I yeah will. shitting on the Olympics <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly and like um 
then uh, I was trying to like make something quick out of it and like oh maybe I can like talk to the Norwegian team because I was in Norway but at the same time it was COVID and I was working on the exam films I was like oh fuck I'm gonna miss like the Olympics and this is like Mm. a historical moment of skateboarding where it's gonna be like a sportification of it and it's gonna be like it's never gonna be the same that's what I thought uh, at the Mm -hmm. moment and I was really like anti-Olympics to be honest at the time so I wanted wanted to make Mm -hmm. a statement especially when they were making all these like pushing for gold like barracks thing where oh, I, was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like what the hell is this like this isn't <laughs> even close to what like me and my friends are thinking but they are kind of like oh we represent skateboarding and it was like oh yeah but you represent like five percent of you know mm-hmm. whatever but um, <laughs> that happened then covid pushed like pushed to everything one year. more year yeah so at that time I was like oh now I can actually like do it because I was I was finished in school in June mm-hmm. 2020 and at that time I was just like I had a you know a bus that I rebuilt so I can like sleep in it whatever so I just had a camera okay. I had like the camera equipment I had a bus and I just went on the road to film basically pilots for different projects Cool. You know, like, you know, you go out like fishing for like projects. I didn't have any job. I was just, you know, ah, I'm going to film the New Balance project with Nils in the woods in Stockholm. So I have to go to Sweden. While in Sweden, I'm going to go to Malmö and I'm going to film Oski because he's going to be in the Olympics. And I always wanted to do a documentary about the Olympics. Yeah. Trying to find some information about like the Finnish team, the Danish team, the Norwegian team. Didn't find anything like that was useful, like... Mm-hmm. But Oscar was like, you know, he was uh, down to get like... To a, do it? Yes, yes, I filmed him one day actually in Malmö. And then I filmed John Dahlqvist. And then I filmed uh, Nils, the photographer. Mm-hmm. And I filmed Phil Evans as well. Yep. Anyway, I was filming John Dahlqvist. And that was really early on where I wasn't sure that it was going to be an Oski documentary. I just like, you know, made a documentary that was supposed to look like a David Attenborough-ish nature film. You know, I wanted to have like a quirky voiceover of like, oh, look at the skateboarders in the wild. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) you were supposed to like have a nature film, but it was going to be with skateboarders and you got this alien perspective onto the guys <laughs> that sounds pretty funny yeah you, sh- you should yeah it uh, could be you, sh- you should do that yeah <laughs> yeah i did a pilot where i'm doing the voiceover and uh you know pitched it for like the art it's called konstnashnemd and it's like they support art movies in sweden and did a okay. pitch for them and they like oh we don't get it i'm like yeah <laughs> like me neither but <laughs> <laughs> okay. that went yeah so th- then it went like half a year and um Oski went to the States and a producer calls me and he's like, uh, hi, my name is Anders. And I'm like, hi, my name is Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Oski, we thought about doing a documentary about him and we hit him up and he told us that you already are making a documentary about him. And I was like... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like, you know, in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, I applied for some money, never got it. Don't know if I'm going to do the project. So I was just like, yeah, I'm the one doing the documentary. You know, like, (laughs) don't take that idea from me because I'm the one who was there first. So you have to go through me. (laughs) Anyhow, so we had the same idea, sort of, simultaneously. And then when 
Oski came back in April. I left Norway for good. Like I packed my van with all the stuff and uh, went to Malmö. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was just like living in the van for six months and filming Oski pretty much every day. And if I wasn't filming him, I was probably just logging the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know Oski well before that uh, whole project came about or? Uh, no, not at all. I uh, met him like once or twice on some competition and you say hello and stuff. But but you weren't like close and yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, you have friends in common, like the Swedish skate scene is, you know, obviously it's small, but it's really small. So it wasn't too strange to hit them up. Sure. I really enjoyed the documentary because uh, it really portrayed well how um, yeah stressful basically it must have been for him to uh, go through this whole process and like I remember seeing him having to like do jumps or squats and run and do like these like yeah. basically like uh, physical tests or I don't know to uh, enter the Olympics uh, and yeah. um, and also all the competitions obviously like the the ones he did in the states and. But uh, yeah, it looked like a pretty stressful process. And uh, and in the end, uh, he wasn't really able to do the best run that he was hoping to do and didn't like place first or second or something. But he, st- he still had a pretty good run, but not as he didn't do as well as he had uh, hoped. Mm. But yeah, it was just interesting to see how the backstage of it all, basically, and, and the stress and like the pressure that he must have felt. And uh, but yeah, no. So so how was it uh, being around him at that time? And especially was it difficult for him? Because I'm sure it must have been quite stressful in itself to like prepare himself for the Olympics and also having you follow him all the, not all the time, but sure. a lot of the time <laughs> with the camera. And like, uh, yeah. it must have been quite a difficult process, basically. Yeah, well, uh, thanks a lot for the kind words. And uh, I think, you know, when you think about, yeah, it's going to be in the Olympics, you know, oh, I'm just going to do whatever and I'm going to go there. But then I think even if you're not that into like performing good at the Olympics, you get sucked into this big machine with the Olympic pressure that builds up around you where like you have, you know, I was one of many guys trying to get a hold of Oski. You know, it was like he had like three or four interviews every week during a period where they're like, ah, you know, he's the golden hope from Sweden. You know, he's like this spontaneous, he's like freestyling his runs, you know, they build like this image. I yeah. can't speak for Oski, but I can just imagining like, <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, okay, <laughs> you know, would be sick to like perform good. And I think as well, he did really good at the due tour, which was the qualification where he ended up yeah, exactly, second. Yeah. And he was like placed first almost all the time. So, you know, mm-hmm. the Swedish media was like, ah, oh, you know, he finished second, like in the qualification. He's going to be like for sure, like third place, second place, you know. But yeah, that's not how skateboarding works. And if you look at the results of the Olympics compared to the qualification or just the status of the points that everybody had, it was like all flipped around who came, ended up in the final. I mean, you had yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the top guys as well but you know like a lot of guys who didn't make it to the finals that probably was like oh that park was different as well 
And then as well, you have Jonathan Lomar showing up at your house and like, how's it going with the girlfriend? How are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah. Is it like annoying with me asking you this question? Why? <laughs> you know, it's hard sometimes because I'm, uh, you know, a director with like producers who give me a shit list of like, annoying questions that I have to answer him and they are have like investors that you know want to have a good movie and when you, everyone checked like okay we're gonna do this uh-huh. you have to start deliver stuff and they kind of like you know producers are like yeah ask like what about his dad what about his like childhood what about like you know and you show up there and you're a friend but you're a director as well yeah and you have to produce a movie and yeah one director told me once like oh, don't try to be a nice guy and director at the same time because it would never gonna be a good movie so i had to you know pressure him as well sometimes yeah but i'm sure you, you, you did it in a like the best way possible without trying to hurt him or make him feel bad or whatever but uh, yeah yeah no, obviously no. Yeah. as you said uh, <laughs> you, you have to you have to be the bad guy a little bit uh, to get things done but yeah, so how did you work on the, you just mentioned like the producers and how did you work on the storytelling? Did you have like complete creative freedom to do whatever you wanted? Or did you have people kind of telling you how to structure this whole story and how to produce this movie? Or how did you work uh, with the production team and also with Oski? Did you tell him, okay, that's my vision. That's what I want to do. Here's how we're going to do it. So yeah, just how was that process of um, putting down on paper the, the, the whole script, so to speak? I remember Oski asking me in the summer, like, so Jonathan, what, what is it like? What's the basic structure? What is it about? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I <laughs> seriously have no idea. But, but then, don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, you know, you have like these like archetype structures, you know, you have the sports underdog story where you can just like pinpoint, you know, okay, he gonna suck for some time, then he's gonna go into training, then he's gonna have like this turning point, and he's gonna have a helper. Yeah. yeah, And when you went to film school, you get to see all these like, oh, the hero's journey, like, oh, he goes like here, and he's gonna have a helper at this time, and then he's gonna go into a different universe. And you know, we we sat down, Mm -hmm. like, okay, so if Oscar is this, and then this, and then it's like, oh, okay, so we're gonna do like a He's really like, you know, the underdog is going to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, you're interviewing Oski and he's like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, Olympics was something that just happened. And then you have a producer who's like, fuck, it's not like caring about the Olympics. I'm like, no, that's like a point, you know, that's like a, we could use that, you know, that's interesting. So I think we ended up landing in something where it was like, the Olympics is a massive engine that you will get like it's easy to get lost in it like you can end up in a place where comparison and quantification of everything you do is gonna suck you into an universe and uh, it's gonna be very different than when you're skating with your friends and it's gonna be really hard to be skating with your friends and at the same time you know as you said like showing up and doing like physical training at the olympic committee of sweden where you have to do like every year do like squat tests and jump tests and whatnot so that's like the personal story i think then you also have like a backstory layer of like who is oski and on to that his family background and yeah you have like a theme story where it's like okay the sportification of skateboarding 
like yeah. you know gonna turn like skateboarding like this is a very clear moment where skateboarding will go one step further ahead into a sport mm-hmm. and even though it's been a sport for many years you know it's already happened with street league and whatever yeah, yeah but yeah. like i seriously think that the olympics sometimes for me feels like world war you know it's like a world war you know <laughs> like everybody's sending like the best troops and they're gonna get like the most medals and it's like yeah. the presidents are really like you know want to perform good like it's a politics involved in this yeah well, for sure yeah yeah I wanted to make something that you could like pinpoint down in history, like a turning, turning point. point. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a really interesting process to see all of this happen. And especially like the last part of the movie, which is the Olympics in, in themselves, because the first maybe two thirds are about him like skating and covers his family background. There's interviews with his parents. And towards the end, he goes to the Olympics. And because of COVID, I think you weren't able to go with him. And he had to have a camera, a portable camera to film himself. And maybe John Magnuson probably filmed a bit himself or some other people. I'm not too sure. But yeah, it must have been probably a bit hard, especially for you, to not be able to go. Because then Aski had another thing to do. He had to focus yeah. on skating at his best and, and also like film and, and get some footage and film himself like uh, waiting to get on in the skate park or whatever, you know, so... But how was it uh, going through this very last uh, period of time? How did you kind of brief Aski to get some good uh, content without being with him, basically? Like, I'd never felt as ridiculous when you have, like, Oski is preparing for his biggest event in history. And I'm like, Oski, don't forget to, like, film everything. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I don't, I, like, you know, don't have the time. Yes. Yeah. Minus time. It's like one more thing, really. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, isn't it possible to get in? And I was just like, um, you know, writing to him and like, I felt bad, but like, I, I had to like, you know, film yourself after the run, you know, like <laughs> and to Jon Magnusson as well, like, film as much as possible, please, please, please. I think it worked out in the end, but like, of course, yeah. I'm thinking now, like, oh, it would be so funny to be covering like that whole journey. And And just taking the piss on, you know, like not taking the piss, but like you could really have fun being behind the scenes of the Olympics because it's like so mystified. Like, oh, they have a village filled with like athletes, you know, what is going on over there? Like, what is it like being there for like 24 hours and how's the tension? And then in the middle of it all, you could also like be able to get behind the scenes and just like, you know, joking around about the Olympics. Olympics, which was yeah. hard now because I wasn't there but you could definitely get like an insight of like the other skaters as well that I don't know do they have beers at the village you know like uh, so yeah. many questions like do people go out party do they have a club do they uh, I mean mm-hmm. how does it work and so you just premiered it a few days ago in Malmo as I was saying earlier so I was just curious to know how how did it go and how was the reaction of the public uh, the people who were watching it for the first time I was completely like shocked by the response you know because I haven't shown the movie to anyone really Mm-hmm. like it's just been me the producer and maybe like some of the people in the film that had to like you know say it's okay you know 
give the green light. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the feedback you get from someone who is in the movie or film is going to be completely different from someone who comes from the outside because they aren't like subjective in the same mm -hmm. way. So I was just like, oh, is this, you know, like small jokes here and there? You kind of like, is it going to work? And then you sit in the cinema, in the movie theater, and you kind of like, wow, you know, people are laughing, you know, they're like emotional, and mm -hmm. people are really like watching the thing, you know, and you sit there and you like, I just remember being like first 20 minutes, you know, being obviously critical about like, oh, wasn't that shot like stabilized first? Like, you know, like all technical uh -huh, okay. things. And like, I, see, oh, yeah. I don't know about like the volume on that song and stuff like that. But then <laughs> after 20 minutes, I was just like, like, let it go. Yeah. Oof, it's like you can feel the energy in one room, especially if something's like off, something's really cringy or something like that. You can yeah. just like see and feel the energy in the room and you know for sure that like, oh, you fucked up. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't have that feeling i had like some really like ah oh, you know they get some of the jokes that i didn't think like you know it jumps a bit from like being serious to jokes pretty quick and people got that's that. true yeah, yeah. so uh, i was just uh, overwhelmed with compliments afterwards i was like really happy to be honest it was nice yeah awesome so it's coming out in a couple of weeks. And uh, so I was wondering, do you have anything else that you're working on right now? Or are you taking a bit of a break to kind of relax for a bit now that it's kind of done and, and uh, behind you, so to speak, even though it's about to get released and stuff? And you probably, I don't know if you're going to do any other premieres maybe or stuff like that. But yeah, yes. what are the projects that do you have uh, going on maybe? It's funny because, I mean, you can't really see what is in the image right now. But, you know, I have behind me, I have like a... A globe, this one. Uh-huh. Trying to like a... Doing a remake with the Sour Films intro vignette for the Sour Solution 3. And I'm thinking oh, yeah. of like, oh, you know, I could do the same thing, but like turn the globe on fire in the middle of the <laughs> intro. So it could be like a burning planet. Oh, okay, okay. So that's yeah, yeah. like today's project. But otherwise, I'm... <laughs> Editing one part in the Sour Solution 3. Oh, nice. I'm going to try to edit myself into the video, actually, just to get one <laughs> trick in there. <laughs> cool. Whose part are you editing? Can you tell me? Or Yeah, it's uh, Axel Berggren's part. Nice. So he's going to skate to some nice music. But it's going to be pretty good. And uh, mm -hmm. otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm in the same spot that I was when I started with the Oski documentary. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to head out with the van and mm -hmm. trying to like shoot. Make something happen. Research footage, you know, like, oh, you know, I thought about like, oh, maybe it's fun to find someone who is a prepper who sells real estates, you know, selling bunkers. You know, imagine if there's a <laughs> real estate agent who is focused on on selling bunkers around Sweden. You know, I want to find that guy. Oh, I want to find like a taxidermist who is uh, doing some weird stuff with animals and, <laughs> you know, find these people, shoot them during some days and uh, edit some Have pilots. some random interesting stories, yeah. 
Yeah, and then just like edit, make a pitch out of it, and then trying to go to some, I don't know, some channel or something and be like trying to convince them that it's a good idea. So it's like Mm -hmm. a gambling lottery, basically. You just trying to find some nice ideas that you want to spend you know if you're going to spend one two years doing a film you want to make sure it's uh, something you enjoy yeah yeah because it's might be fun like the first month and then you're going to end up finishing it during 23 months of hell but you know you you have to make sure you're going to be like this is worth the time my time Yeah. yeah for sure and then i i mean i guess that's pretty much what i'm thinking about right now Mm-hmm. I guess the OSCE documentary is, is probably going to help out a lot uh, for your next projects. You'll have something more to show to people and say, okay, I did this. I did a bunch of skate videos, but I did this documentary with this story and stuff. And so it's probably going to help out a lot in your yeah. future projects. I heard that, you know, from film school that a lot of documentaries never get finished. Oh, really? That yeah, there's like movies who, like documentaries who get financial support during years and then they never end up finishing the things they do. So like, as you said, like maybe it's going to help me. I think it's definitely going to help me to see, you know, oh, if we're going to give this guy money, he's going to do like the project from A to B. He's going to like finish it and he has the, you know, knowledge to actually yeah. finish it and, you know, everything compared to someone who hasn't finished anything so the more you get like into the track record is like always a good sign because you know the institutions they really care about statistics and you know they don't want to like take too much risk yeah so uh, i hope that's gonna like help me out a little bit and then maybe like in a 30 year old time i'll be sitting here like a werner herzog and like <laughs> i don't know have uh i said to myself i'm gonna try to make a documentary every year for the coming like i don't know 30 years so wow you're gonna have a very busy life <laughs> yeah exactly gonna be <laughs> <laughs> gonna be funny i hope so i enjoy working to be honest (laughs) yeah i'm sure you're gonna have uh, make a lot of uh, other exciting projects Uh, no doubt about that oh thanks i finished my interviews with questions from friends but before that uh, i have one question that i asked the guest is what would you say is the most valuable lesson that you feel that you've learned from skateboarding yeah, like the one thing that helped me in life in general that I learned from skateboarding is just how complicated and how much details there are in like everything. Like if you look at photos, if you listen to music or if you're into movies or into anything where you can like, ah, oh, you know, this photographer has a style, you know, you look at someone like Martin you know like you could really sense something that is different you can find your mike carroll in the world of directors and you can find your mark gonzalez in your music you know there's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a thinking pattern that i think i never gonna change in my brain yeah it's embedded in you now 
Exactly. So I think that's like one of the best lessons that I brought with me along with a lot of other stuff. Just like skateboarding is very like project based. You work on a movie, you work on a commercial, you work on a Instagram video. It's always like big and small projects. And that's like the rhythm of your skate life, sort of. Mm -hmm. And that's life's cycle that I enjoy. I consider my life being, you know, many projects somehow. Yeah. All right, so let's finish with the questions from friends of yours. Uh, this first one is from uh, Koffer Hal- Halgren. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher all these names. Uh, I'm French, so <laughs> I, no, <it's laughs> I don't good. know how to pronounce. So Koffer says, where do you think Oski would have been today if he had stayed on sweet skateboards and never started to ride for Polar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was on sweet for like quite I some time. I didn't know that, actually. I think it wasn't sweet like on flow, but Bjorn always had like, oh, you have to be 18 years old to be on sweet because he didn't want to have like the, you know, responsibility for kids, oh, yeah. whatever, which is Minors, actually, yeah, yeah kind of like a good thing, actually. He would definitely be somewhere else where he probably wouldn't perform as good as he does now, I guess, <laughs> to be honest. He probably would have had like, uh, you know, had some tech tricks in there. Like, you know, if he ended up going on like some plaza trips, you know, he probably would have like less tranny and more street. Yeah, yeah, it would be funny to see him doing a line at like, you know, the Stalin Plaza or whatever it's called. Like a super, <laughs> super tech uh, curb trick yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, flip front crooks or, you know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this question is from Martin Sandberg. Yeah. So he said, uh, are you coming back as a filmer in skateboarding? South of Spain was really good times. And also he says, when will you move to Stockholm and why? Oh, yeah, we had like a quite some like funny nights out where I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm moving to Stockholm. And he said, Martin, like... Stockholm, Stockholm. I'm like, ah, I don't even know what I'm going to do in Stockholm. Like, it's super expensive. And I have zero jobs there. But yeah, probably in soon, maybe go there with my van. And uh, what was the question? Like, if I'm going to like go uh, back if, into if skateboard go, film. Go back to film in skateboarding, yeah. I really enjoyed when I was in Cornell because it was like, ah, it's going to be two months of this and not like 365 days a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I I, I want to like cherry pick the tours. That's what I really enjoy doing when I'm like filming skateboarding, like going on trips. But selecting them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I can be like a, you know, a little filmer going on trips every now and then, I wouldn't say no, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. All right. This one is from uh, Phil Evans. We We mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, ask him about his situations in the favelas when he went on his university trip to South America. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Like we had one exercise where we got to go anywhere we wanted in the world. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was in January in Lillehammer. It was like minus 25 degrees or something. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to go as far as I can. And mm-hmm. I was like, Mexico. <laughs> and the school just like, no, that's dangerous. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, picking every like country in the South American, like, hey, no, you can't go there. It's like super sketchy. I'm like, no, it's <laughs> all good because I know Spanish. I know my way around. They're like, no, oh, yeah, you're yeah. like blonde and you're going to walk around with an expensive camera. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I convinced them to go to uh, Bolivia. So I ended up in La Paz in Bolivia for 14 days. It's the, the super high altitude city, right? Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, I can remember. Like I rem- We walked up onto a mountain uh, once when we were there. It was like 5,600 meters or something. Wow. And I was like walking really slow and I got super exhausted. And I was asking the tour guide who was walking with a plastic bag with Coca-Cola in the plastic bag. Like shilling. He, d- he did that like every day. And okay. I was like, um, when is the altitude like when do you need like you know like gas like what do you got like oxygen yeah yeah yeah. and it's like ah oh, it's all good like that's when you reach like six thousand and above and i'm like thinking to myself like how the hell is my body supposed to know the difference between like f- you know, five thousand <laughs> yeah. six hundred meters and six thousand meters because <laughs> right now i feel like crazy in my head yeah but it was fun and we ended up just doing a artsy 10 minute film where mm-hmm. we walked around with the camera filming people who made uh, street food in La Paz and made cool. some friends to still have contact with them today and you know it was crazy yeah went out and you know it's easy if you know some like uh, if you know Spanish and they get you can get around yeah yeah you can get around and you have something to talk about met this guy who was making some tacos and quesadillas and he was obsessed with Swedish prog music so I was like showing him Swedish prog music while he was showing me like Bolivian rock music, which I was like, you know, like Bolivia is a, it's an interesting country. You don't really yeah. know a lot about like, I was like, what's up with movies in Bolivia? Like, I have never heard of a Bolivian yeah, movie. Yeah, me neither, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and you know, apparently they have like one guy in the entire country who rents out uh, Ari Alexa cameras. And they're like, oh, you have to talk to El Padron or something like that. You know, like it sounds almost almost like a joke. It's like, oh, it's <laughs> okay. one guy. He has like three Alexa cameras. And that's the whole like camera rental equipment that they have in Bolivia during that time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was interesting. Did you make an, an edit out of all this? Or was there is there a video or... Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, I remember coming back and we have like a team. So it was like one filmer, one audio guy and one editor. And I'm supposed to come up with the idea of the story structure, whatever. And I was just like on my little artsy detour at the film school. I was like, oh, structure doesn't matter. We're just going to go with <laughs> feelings and like most bullshit uh, <laughs> film I ever done but I still like it has some nice moments for sure like it's like and it's quite visual in a good way like I, I it was like I didn't want to have any story so it's like a 10 minute clip of people doing ordinary things but it's just okay. yeah it's just uh, artsy fartsy short <laughs> documentary that no one will see <laughs> <laughs> okay all right, this uh, next question is from uh, Nisa Ingemarsson. Yeah. You mentioned it a few times. So he said, uh, Dear Lomar, if you had not showed up that day, you went into the poll. Where do you think you would be and what do you think you would be doing today? So he sent me this and I was like, what is he talking about? And then he sent me a video where you uh, you were filming. I, I don't know if it was him that you were filming or someone else, but you were filming and turning your back, basically kind of going fakey, so to speak. Yeah. And you ran into a pole, uh, which you didn't see because you were turning your back to it. 
I just remember being weird. Like I think those guys really like learned me some lessons of how to be socially compatible with other persons because I was kind of like you know coming from a small town, not knowing really you know how to yeah <laughs> be with other people. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think. Oh, you know what I would end up like? I would be like one of those like videographers who does like wedding videos and being like miserable and having like zero <laughs> stories to tell my grandchildren when I'm old. I'm going to be like that <laughs> guy who's like, you know, walking around with that little DCLR camera and doing commercials for local companies. Do you have that in France? Like, you know, in the shop store or like mm -hmm. in the boutique, you go and you stand in the queue and they have like commercials showing on the TV. Like in Sweden, they have that, but it's like local commercial. It's like they, oh, yeah, it yeah. has to I be see. local commercial, but they all like really like tacky, like really bad. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I would end up <laughs> doing something like that if I would hit that pole. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Okay, this one is from uh, Tom Butwood from uh, Poetic Collective. Yeah. So he said, um, how was the transition from working on Coruscate videos, like the sour videos, to moving into documentary filmmaking, but still focused on skating? What do you prefer? Oh, that's interesting because then after doing the documentary, I switched back to going to the south of Spain, you know, picking up the yeah. VX again. I think that one thing is that when you're filming skateboarding, you're really like focusing on the skateboarding. You really want to make that trick look good. You really want to like somehow maximize the trick that the guy is doing with the background or with foreground or, you know, if there's like something else going on around the spot, you really like, you know, you don't want to blow it sort of. Mm -hmm. And that can be really nice because I feel like I know what I'm doing when I'm filming skateboarding. Like, I think I at least have a perception like, oh, I come to a spot and I see like, ah, oh, you know, this could work, you know, this angle. If you're doing whatever, you know, it could be, oh, you're doing a frontside crooks. Oh, you should film it from behind because I, yeah, know, my brain like, ah, oh, frontside crooks doesn't look that good from the front or yeah. something like that. You know, you have these like little details that you know about that you like have preferences while mm -hmm. jumping into like this big shoulder rig and cinema camera and you know first of all you kind of like I'm completely new to it so I'm like oh I have no idea what I'm doing yeah and at the same time there's like more focus on you I guess nowadays, like, skateboard filmers has more, like, you know, you have, like, Pekka, Fritte, Strobeck, and, you know, you have, like, John William, you have, like, filmers now that has, like, uh, identity more than before, I guess. Right, right. But I felt like when I'm filming a documentary, you know, people say to you, like, oh, you're the director, and you're like, fucking hell, I, I don't think, like, I would consider myself as, you know, <laughs> director, yeah. but the thing is that you have a a lot of control to turn someone's life story into whatever you want to like the yeah. tricks that you learn at the film school to manipulate you know monologues or dialogues or you know you have to be a wizard like you have to you know have a dialogue between two people how do you film it so you can cut it afterwards and how do you make the sound work so it sounds authentic and yeah a normal conversation between two people is probably you know it's not 
not like a movie script. It's not like it's pushing the story forward. So you have to figure out how you can make a dialogue seem like authentic, neutral, but still get information that pushes the story forward. And yeah, 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 yeah. that transition, you know, it's a new game for me. It's like a new game that I'm trying to play. And it's, of course, super funny and scary and hard yeah. because I have to do this. I've been filming skateboarding for since I was yeah 15 10 years so, yeah 15 10 years. 14 years yeah. yeah 15 years and now I have to film documentaries for probably the same amount of time before I can get the confidence yeah yeah so, yeah true yeah yeah so yeah obviously you're much more comfortable around filming skateboarding because you've been doing it for so long but uh eventually you'll get there with documentary filmmaking as well I mean if you spend not even 15 years but even just in five years from now you will have progressed a lot and you will like look at your former work and and see all the improvements that you've uh you know incorporated into your work and stuff so <laughs> yeah that's a good sign when you look back at stuff you did and like oh that sucks you know at <laughs> same time like yeah. yeah but you know you're getting better at least you know when you did that you thought it was good but like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well we're always our own uh, worst uh, critic you know yeah all right so this question is from uh, Bjorn Holmenas yeah so he says after sleeping with the cockroaches on the floor of the first sour office <laughs> for a few months and then finishing the last parts of the sour solution one sleeping in a tent on my roof how relieved were you when the video premiered I can honestly say that everyone that was around me during that time, I'm like, sorry, guys. You know, I was like, <laughs> a, you know, drama queen at the time because <laughs> like I put so much pressure onto myself when I was editing that stuff. And I was so relieved when I did that video because that was the first time in life that I felt like I did something. It's a weird feeling, but I was like, ah, oh, you know, I can honestly say that I did something in this world. You know, that was <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a moment like that. And sleeping, yeah, I remember sleeping on the madras at the floor at the sour office when it was like, you know, not livable at the time. And, you know, mm -hmm. I remember like, you know, when you get used to feeling shit, so you have like a cockroach. I remember it running over my stomach and I just <laughs> oh, look at it like, oh, You know, today I would be like, you know, fuck that. Like, I'm getting a hotel. Yeah. But I was like, oh. And he just, like, scooped it away and, like, put on some music and just like, oh, this is okay. Moving along, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, then I put the tent up on uh, Bjorn's oh, roof, terrace. Yeah. yeah, for, uh, I think, two or three months. And I think I had to leave when Bjorn was starting to see this girl. And he's like, um, Jonathan, can you kind of, like, disappear? And I'm like, ah, gotcha. <laughs> you know, that was like one evening. I took the tent down and I packed it into a bag and I went out to Montserrat, which is like this mountain outside of Barcelona. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to hitchhike. But like, I did not read the forecast and I ended up setting up the tent in uh, like storm, like a blizzard storm. And, you know, when I woke up, like I was just like completely covered in the middle of the night with like, it's been raining inside the tent. And I just <laughs> okay. like, you know, I remember listening to like, raindrops keep falling on my head. And <laughs> I was just like, yeah, completely done with my little spirit quest <laughs> at that time. <laughs> That's funny. Let's see. So this one is from uh, Brianna Holt. So uh, ask his girlfriend. Yeah. She said, um, what was the most surprising thing you learned about Oscar while working with him on the documentary? 
yeah, like one thing is that like, you know, I, I got like his humor. It's like quite different. Mm-hmm. So it took me some time to just like pick it up. Like, you know, when you're like not sure if he's joking, it's like, oh, he's definitely joking. Like now I know, you know, it yeah. can be like kind of funny in that way. It's like saying something to you, but it's like completely like not serious Ironic. about it. Yeah. yeah. That's like one thing, but I think just like when you spend a lot of time with someone's parents, you can really see and you hear about like the childhood and you talk to the teachers, you know, you get like the full length story of someone's life. So you can really see, ah, I see why you are you. Yeah, and yeah, I know yeah, yeah. that you are you because you know I know a lot about you at this point. Not only from the stuff that you told me, but I see the patterns that your dad has. Uh, you have, you know, a little bit of that, and I see the patterns that your mother has. Yeah, I met the whole family, and you know, I, I feel like I can see a timeline of the Oscar's connections. Life. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So if there's one thing I learned about Oski, I guess it's just like when I see how he reacts to things, I can... You know where it comes from. I feel a little bit at least like I know what he thinks and why he thinks about some stuff. You're not usually talking to that with friends. You know, you have best friends, but if you spend like a whole summer with their parents talking about every, you know, year in their life. Yeah, aspect of their life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're going to end up getting really close to that person in a very special way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what I would say. Yeah. All right. So two last questions. Hey, Lomar, I want to hear your story about the worst time ever. Please tell a story about where everything went wrong and still you walked away with a clip. I know working with a sour, dysfunctional family, I bet there's a lot of stories that uh, (laughs) have never been told and that deserves to be told. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. (laughs) <laughs> that's like you know like i live pretty close to brigadier school where john dahlquist to ask the question is like he's the principal there and yeah, yeah every time i pass by there and like have a little chat with the class or something john dahlquist is like who is the worst guy to film like <laughs> 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 he always come up with fuck but there's like yeah there's I mean, the worst situation. The that worst you found situation. Yourself, like, yeah, yeah, that was when I actually quit sweet at one time and for like two days, you know, like a okay. little bitch, just like, I'm not going to film anymore. I'm going to start my own like backpack company called Vagos and you guys can just, you know, or it was like with Bjorn, <laughs> I had an issue because I was in Shanghai for uh, one month. Mm-hmm. And I was filming probably around like 10 or 12 skaters. And I was like, you know, physically exhausted, like towards the point where you're like, I got sick, like physically sick. I was like really stressed. Okay. You know, I wanted to do like this and that. And Bjorn had to leave. Like after mm-hmm. two weeks, he left. So he gave me like this big stack of like, what's the like currency they have in China? Uh, Yen's? Yeah, a big stack of like yen dollars, whatever. Yeah. And just like, um, let me know if there's anything, you know. I'm like, oh my fucking God. You know, like the worst thing that I hate is like going up early in the morning and then some guys are just like, um, so where are we going to skate today? 
and you kind of like <laughs> um i don't know i can like hit up this guy and we can get some spots and like and they're just like oh you seriously think we're gonna skate that spot it kind of sucks <laughs> you know Jonathan. that's not like a good spot and i'm like fucking hell like i'm trying to work <laughs> something out here yeah, yeah i yeah. think there was like <laughs> one moment yeah. where i had like you know my hand like after i think it was like the last days in shanghai and i was like oh, i want to go back to barcelona and eat like bananas and oranges because they taste so good in barcelona and not that good here <laughs> uh, and and i had like my hand was so sore from holding the camera i never had oh, i yeah, had like yeah. an image of it it was just like you know it looks like i've been you know when you're been playing guitar drunk and you just like bleed from your fingers yeah i had that with my hand and i was pretty sick at the time so i was like just popping pills and you know waking up in the morning guys i was like, oh i don't know if I, okay let's go there like oh jonathan like want to go here uh what about you guys um, like you know like <laughs> fuck it i had it like and then we went back to barcelona and i was like uh -huh. bjorn don't fucking leave me like that again i was like i'm out of it <laughs> And then I think it took two days and I don't know, I got my shit together. I wasn't sick anymore. And I was like, hi, guys, maybe I can like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I can be such a drama queen sometimes. You know, <laughs> a little toxic drama queen in my dumb little brain sometimes. But yeah, that was, that, was, that was a hard time. It got a lot better. We went on a trip to Germany after that and Björn was okay. like, oh, you just chill, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. we had a beer sponsor on that trip. So I was with Thomas <laughs> okay. Gensch and uh, we were just <laughs> visiting different beer breweries around Germany. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, Must really have been nice. a productive uh, skate tour. No, no, not at all. <laughs> when I'm thinking like, yeah, we did like, yeah, kind of, but... Oh, if you're drinking beer all the time, you're not going to skate as well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was like a really good beer. It wasn't that strong and you could drink it while it was kind of warm because it was really good quality beer. Okay. But it was fun. I never went to Germany before that. So it was just like cool to go around, you know, and we drove all the way from Austria to Denmark. And nice. Yeah, I love trips, like tours in general. That's like the good memories in life when I think back on what you've done and stuff. It's always For sure. up, like different tour memories. Let's wrap it up with this very last question. Okay, I wanted to ask Jonathan uh, what he thinks I could have done better during the process of filming and what he thinks he could have done better. That's it. Oh. <laughs> That's a really, really smart question, Oski. <laughs> not that easy to answer i guess i think there's a lot of like misconceptions about how you do a documentary like the process mm -hmm. of doing a documentary i can see it when i watch a documentary i can see like oh they actually directed this scene you know this is all like you know it's not fake it's just like this did not happen spontaneously like yeah you know you see it, you, or... yeah just like oh you know you can see like the lighting you know i can see there's someone or just like they are having a lumiere microphone you know that takes time to set up you know that takes at least like five minutes yeah so if you if they yes spontaneously in a documentary go meet another person and you can hear them both being mic'd up and it's supposed to be like a encounter you kind of like yeah, no, yeah that's yeah. not how it happened at all there's so many tricks today's documentaries are much more like character driven and they use a lot of like techniques that use in fictional movies 
to make it work yeah. and a lot of people think you know they go to like oh we're gonna film like day in a life and i'm just gonna do whatever i do usually but it's just gonna you know you're gonna be around the camera and film me while i do some stuff and that works if you're doing something that's like 10 minutes long then you don't need structure you can just get just swing it yeah Yeah, go into a universe and you know go out of it and you don't need to have a structure but if you're making something like this documentary is almost like one and a half hour you have to have elements that you know makes the someone want to like continue being curious you have to like mystify some parts and you have to be like not giving all the information at the same time and i think if there's something i could have done better is be more like transparent about the process of doing a documentary you know just like if we direct these parts we can be spontaneous with these parts right so we don't just go and film and film and film without knowing why we film this so i think that's something i could have done better being more like transparent with the process maybe like i was kind of like scared of showing oski what i've done because i was a little bit like insecure about the whole project so i was like if i show him this he's gonna be like that's like what the is most- he gonna think uh- it was nervous, like showing the documentary to everyone this Tuesday at the cinema. But yeah, it's more nervous sure, yeah. to show the documentary to Oski because I'm like, I try to do a, you know, you never know how the people are gonna react. Are they gonna be like completely mad? You know, that happens. Yeah, that happens, and it happens quite a lot. Like people being like really bummed, like, oh, you portrayed me in a really bad way or something. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I was kind of like insecure with being transparent about the project because I didn't know if that's gonna make him self-conscious in front of the camera Mm -hmm. now that i've shown it to him i think he knows that he can you know rely on me in a different way Mm -hmm. and to ask what he could have done better i don't know uh i wouldn't say better but if there's something that could have been different you know if we had more time Mm -hmm. it would be fun to just experiment a little bit more you know have like experimental scenes i guess in general just to you know take him out of his comfort zone a bit yeah yeah and just like making stuff happen that wouldn't happen by nature but since he was obviously having 10 other projects going on at the same time and uh, interviews and sponsors and you know yeah there wasn't that time for that but i wish we could have experimented a a little bit more with like doing uh, abstract scenes or you know like imagine him you know you could do a rocky montage at brigeriet you know you could yeah oh yeah yeah, you know uh, you could try it out and then like oh this is super cliche like you know could just (laughs) try out different things yeah 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 yeah. but it's i guess it's quite scary to be in front of the camera during that period of time i can't i can't imagine i i I would hate it (laughs) (laughs) and have your whole life kind of portrayed your your parents are interviewed and you have the pressure of performing at the olympics you're being filmed with your girlfriend i mean yeah it's a whole thing like uh and he he seemed to be pretty comfortable doing this also yeah props to him he he did a good job like i I would be so stressed out to do something like that I i can't imagine I take that as a compliment. I mean, if you can feel that, I guess I've done a good job. Yeah. That aspect. I mean, there's some people who can't do that, who end up making the person in front of the camera just feeling like super stiff. 
So I hope I yeah. have like that energy on people. I'm quite slow, so I guess like people aren't <laughs> that like scared of me. I'm not like the <laughs> sport journalist who gets like I don't know stiff questions, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you definitely nailed it, man. You did a great job on that documentary. So yeah, Thanks congratulations. I hope uh, it will have a lot of success and and uh, yeah, best of luck to you for the, the upcoming projects. I hope you'll uh, have an, another interesting idea that she'll develop into a documentary in the next uh, few months. So thank you so much. That's it for my conversation with Jonathan Lomar. Follow him on Instagram at Jonathan Lomar. Go check out some of his skate videos like the first sour solution or the burn the borders sour and skate mafia tour video. And of course, go visit theoskidocumentary.com to watch the film about Oski's journey to the Tokyo 2021 Olympics. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards. Beyond Boards.